All right. Um, we have been in a teaching series and theme on the Sundays that we gather in this capacity on the kingdom of God, which is wonderfully inexhaustible. You can go back to the website and listen to the previous two or three teachings on the kingdom of God. We, alongside of that, have been in home churches in a season of mission. So our calendar gets orient, oriented around who we are as a prayerful family on mission. If you want to know who Nava is, Nava is a prayerful family on mission. Those are our values. That is who we are. That is what we aspire to grow into and love and live like, a prayerful family on mission. And we are in a season now, a seasonal focus on mission, which is orienting how home churches gather, what we're feeding on, and hopefully what we're also doing. On these Sundays that we gather, the second Sunday of month, we're unpacking what is the kingdom of God. So today we're just going to merge them together, and it's going to be the kingdom of God through us as a missional people. I love our history as a church in mission. It is who you are. It is who we are. We love the world. We love the whole world. We love Kansas City, where we've been placed here as a local church family, and we long to see more and more people experience the goodness of God, the love of God, the gospel of Jesus to change and transform everything about them that's changed and been transformed in us, yeah? And the main piece of this today is going to be Jana Sawyer and I are going to be, that's why these stools are here awkwardly on the stage, but that's for good reason, because there's a dead spot. Nobody can really identify exactly where it is, and there we're safe from the dead spot. So Jan and I are going to have a conversation of just how this is living and moving through her family. Years ago, I heard Pete Gregg, who's a dear friend and mentor to this church family, give an amazing illustration to help me see healthily what does the life of mission look like, and what is the life of a believer? And he used just the image of who we are as humans that we inhale and we exhale. We inhale who God is in prayer. We inhale his goodness, his beauty, his love, his grandeur, that he is without limits, that nothing is impossible for him. And hopefully each one of you have a regular rhythm, a practice of inhaling and intaking who God is through prayer through reading the scripture, through talking to him, through breathing him in, because he is the very breath in our lungs, as we even sang today. We have to be a people who inhale and intake who God is, yeah? Our exhale is equally important, and it is the love that comes out of us that God gave to us for the world to taste and see and smell and know who he is and what he's like. The reason I like that, that imagery is because if you only did one, you're going to have an issue on your hands. If you only inhaled, I think you just black out. I mean, it's, you're on the floor. It's trouble. If you only breathe out, if you only exhale, you're going to hyperventilate, and you're going to end up in Tig Gustafson's office. And you're going to be paying countless sums of money to try to figure out why can't I settle down. So God designed us as a people to inhale and to exhale. So the question I just want us to hold in the beauty of this evening is, where is your exhale? 
And this is a dialogue with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, where is my exhale? Upon whom, upon what, to where, to whom, to whatever is your exhale going? And that is a wonderful adventure and a wonderful dialogue with Holy Spirit. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit in story form today because we want all of us, every home church and every person in this room, to know who you are in Jesus, and you're reminded of it every single time you inhale in prayer, and then through that, have an outlet that you are exhaling because it is the joy of the gospel and the fun of the kingdom to be a people who also get to exhale what has been given to us. And this looks like innumerable, innumerably different things. So when I say that, I am not like limited here to whatever comes into your mind about what a missional person or thing or activity consists of, right? As we'll hear in Jana's story. And around the city, there are loads of great endeavors and activities that Jesus is leading our home churches into in the spirit of what, what is our exhale, yeah? So we're gonna find our breath, we're gonna find our exhale, and we're gonna recover some hopeful boldness and excitement in what that looks like. So I'm gonna seed a couple of testimonies and then I'm gonna have Jana come up. Um, for me, I, I, I do this somewhat intentionally because I know it's easy to talk myself out of the exhale. It's just easy to talk myself out of the exhale. So I will practice the exhale because I know that I need to because it's sometimes daunting or intimidating or scary for me to do this. So I'm recently in CVS, and to be just completely honest, it's because there was the most amazing liquidation wine sale going on at CVS that anyone's ever heard of, 70% off. It was like Christmas there. People were just loading up full shopping carts and sprinting. It was just as fast as they could buy the wine. It was unbelievable. And fortunately, I acquired four bottles, and I paid like $11 for four bottles, and it was amazing. I didn't tell any of you because I didn't want anybody to have to compete with, because the deal was just that good. It was just that good. So I'm checking out, and uh, I'm, I'm chatting with the um, register cashier, and so I was like, so what's gonna be happening here, you know? And she's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. I was like, well, you got another job? She's like, well, you know, not really, nothing's really happening, and there was just like a sullen, sad look on her face. She's like, you know, but the, the, my old manager, my old manager wants me, he, he wants me back. And so I, I think that's probably what I should do, because he, it's nice to be wanted. And I said, oh, my friend, not only does your manager want you back, but God wants you. And she looked at me, and it was just, it was the beautiful grin. She was like, what? I was like, yeah, God wants you as well. Your manager is just an echo to what God thinks. He actually wants you on his team. She's like, I've never thought about that. Such a sweet moment, such a sweet exhale. And let me give two practical things with that. I didn't need Holy Spirit to say, tell her God wants you. It was as if it was like the golden tea had been left there just waiting for me, four feet in the air, like, 
that is the moment where Holy Spirit on the inside is already like, really? Men, this is it, baby. This is it, you know? But it still was a proactive choice and a practice because that boldness muscle goes weak, man. That's my form. I like that outlet, and I also don't like that outlet. I enjoy doing that, and I also don't enjoy doing that in all the same moment, you know? So that's a practice. And so I hope in the invitation to find your exhale, you just give yourself a whole lot of grace to practice and have fun with this because God's a good father, and he loves just the little moments here with all of our kids doing all the stuff that we're doing, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So Jana and Mark Sawyer are amazing people, and I love the exhale that God has given to them and how he's led them in that way. And Jana, why don't you come up and let's do some of this, um, let's, let's do some of this thing up here. Oh, man. How's that feel? A little, little I know. Strange. Here's what I recommend. <laughs> if you're Sorry. tall enough, you just I can do it like you that. just edge it. You see what I'm doing here? Well, no. Not gonna happen. No. I'm gonna do this. Okay, now I can get you a little thing over there. This is good. Um, okay. <laughs> so the Sawyers and Molly and I have been friends for a long, long time, and I just want you to dive in and share a bit of your story and what God has led you and Mark into uh, over the last decade. Sure. All right. Well, there are a lot of people here I don't know today. As I was greeting at the door, I thought, oh, no, there's so many people I don't know. And that's great. I'm glad to meet you. My name is Jana. Um, my husband and I have been foster parents for, I think we figured out, eight years um, now. And that has been... Uh, by far one of the best things we've done and for sure the hardest um, and most difficult, yes, of our lives. Yeah, we got into foster care through, it was actually, I think we were still called the boiler room then. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, were we that long ago? Yeah. Yes, okay. And there was a situation within the body where there was a child that was coming into care and needed a home, and my husband and I prayed about it. He felt a really strong yes, so we called the social worker and um, started that process. Turned out they, we live in Kansas. They needed someone in Missouri, so it wasn't going to work. Um, so we just went back to the Lord. <laughs> we were like, well, what did the yes mean? Because that was one of the strongest yeses we got immediately together um and we just felt like the lord said it's a yes for next time so get ready um and at the same time my husband's parents were adopting four children out of foster care um and that was just another piece where we kind of were like well i mean if they can do it <laughs> surely we can do it um in all honesty, yeah. can't, be, can't be showed up by the grandparents. No. Uh, so we signed up for the class, went and got trained, and I think I was probably in week, it was a 10-week course to get licensed for foster care, and I think it was probably the second week in where I looked over at my husband and went, oh, crap. 
We can't get out of this one now. Um, I think I left crying every week. Every week I had to sit with the Lord and go, okay, that is way too much for me to carry because I don't know what to do with everything I just learned. Um, And it was one of those moments where I almost felt like, not that God tricks us, but you know what I mean, where you're like, okay, I don't think you gave me the full (laughs) picture. I was just like, yes, that sounds great. We'll do that. And I was like, oh, well, now I've said yes, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, so that was, what, 2014, our first kids moved in with us. First kids to 2014, okay. If I Um, have the dates right. So catch the rest up since 2014, just practically, Mm-hmm. how that has lived out with fostering. And then I'd love you just to share a bit of like your personal, like the why, the deeper why, like as you started to hear about the need, what was it in you that leapt mm-hmm. at this and the want to do it? Yeah. Um, sorry, what was the first part of that question? I well, forgot. <laughs> practically, if you want to give more, okay. just the kids that have come in since 2014, mm-hmm. or you can just okay. get there along sure. the way. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point we've had a total of 10 kids in our care. Um, And I would say our why has shifted a lot even in the last year, I would say. Those first, um, I don't go into a lot of detail. We We had some kids that came and lived with us last year that was the most difficult placement we've ever had. And it's take, it's caused trauma to our family quite honestly we've had to take a break we are in therapy we're like doing all those things um and that's okay but and I think the good that came out of that place to I'd say where we are now are yes is a much um deeper and maybe more sincere yes somehow where I I would say we've counted the cost in a different way, saying yes again. Um, And I I think we just um, can see the the weight and the beauty of what we're saying yes to, to be saying yes to entering into someone else's suffering. Um, It costs you a lot. It's um, felt like it's cost us everything at at moments. And um, it's worth it because I can look at Jesus and see a Savior who put himself into our suffering. And I think we've come to a place of saying, if, if we believe that at the center of the gospel is a God who incarnated himself, into being fully human, experiencing everything to the point of suffering and death, then that's the example that I follow and willingly say, I will go where there is suffering because I have a savior who did that and does that with me. I'm, I'm curious, going back a bit, because you and Mark, well, you came from a really large family, the oldest of Eight, nine, ten? Nine. Nine. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I think that quali- qualifies a as a lot. It's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and yeah. m- I remember Mark early on, like, there was always something in you that wanted a lot of kids. 
He did. He did. Oh. <laughs> Just He's Mark. not in here. <laughs> yeah. You didn't necessarily want <laughs> no, a lot I mean, of tits. No, I mean, I always felt like, I, whatever, I'm okay. Yeah. I didn't necessarily go into marriage thinking, yeah, I want to have 10 kids. I liked being in a large family. Yeah. Um, but being totally honest, I'm not one of those women that was just like, I want to be a mom and I'm going to have all these kids. And, you know, I mean. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. So I think my question is, when did you know this was like, you referenced the moment with the boiler room, but what were the other winks from Jesus or pulling of your heart that said, no, I, I want to give myself to kids that are without home and family for a season. Like what else was provoking you to want to do that? I think a big part of it was just seeing a need. Mostly like there was a draw of like, I know I can, how do I say this? It, it was almost this like invitation from Jesus to say, come meet me in this place. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it's ever felt like a natural place for me to go, to be caring for extra children, caring for children who are oftentimes really difficult because of the amount of trauma you're dealing with, you know? Um, but I have just met Jesus there, yeah. honestly, and that's why I keep coming back. <laughs> because every time we say yes to this really hard thing, Jesus is there. Yeah. Yeah. And so many moments with kids in our home where we've been able to show them Jesus. Yeah. I, I, with our first kids, I remember them being so scared in those first weeks of moving into our home and crying at bedtime and me just sitting with them and saying, do you know who Jesus is? They're like, no. <laughs> okay. We'll start like really, really simple. And just praying, like saying, when my kids are scared, we pray. And the, this, is, this is who Jesus is and praying with them. And it's those moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's something really holy and sacred when you sit in someone else's pain yeah. and suffering yeah. and Jesus being there with you. I don't know how else to say it other than yes. that's where Jesus is. Yes. And that's where I, that's where I want to be. Yeah. Now, surely you didn't know going into it that that's what it was going to be. No. It had to have been a, a bit more <laughs> idealism and romanticism of... For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what's that? I mean, you've already spoken to it a little yeah. bit, but anything else you want to expound upon of... Um, what you encountered and discovered that surprised you in this? And would you have said yes if you knew going into it that's what it's going to be? Which, now the cat's out of the bag. For anybody who's considering fostering, you've just given the deep dive into get ready for a whole lot of headache and Jesus in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've often told my husband, like, I... I feel like I'm a bit of a downer sometimes when it comes to talking about foster care. Not that I'm saying don't do it. I'm saying, please, dive in. We would love to have more people in this with us, with Jesus. But like I already said, it's costly. It really is. Um, 
but it's so worth it. <laughs> um, I'm going to read this quote that I feel like sums up some of what we've found. Um, this was from a, uh, an author called Jason Johnson. He wrote a book called Reframing Foster Care that's excellent if anyone wants a good read. Uh, but he was talking about his journey of his um, family and just counting the cost of what they were doing. He says, our world was too small before, our faith too shallow, our theology too narrow, our dreams too temporary, our family too isolated, our Christianity too comfortable, our worries too finite, our relationships too homogenous, and our prayers too selfish. And <laughs> it's a weighty quote, but it, it feels like that's what we've, we've found a truer gospel, a truer relationship with Jesus, and the cost has been worth it, even though it's been painful. I, I've heard many times people say, how can you do this to your own kids? Like, what about my own kids that I have living in my house? And this was also through Jason Johnson, but he, he says when he's gotten that question, his answer has been, how could I not? Wow. Yes, it's painful, and yes, there's things to consider, but um, the benefit that my kids have received by growing up in a home that fosters far outweighs the cost that we've wow. paid. Wow. Yeah. When... So you referenced just the deeper discovery of the gospel. Can you share more on that? How has the gospel changed? How have you experienced the gospel mm -hmm. in a different way through, yeah. you know, you and Mark giving yourself to fostering? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think... <clears throat> I already mentioned it, but, but being able to see this Jesus who embodied himself, right? This God that fully came into human form and willingly experienced everything of being human. And I, suffering is such a big piece of that. And it, sometimes I hesitate to talk about suffering too much because it's not a very happy topic. Um, and but I, I think there's something so beautiful if we'll really look at Jesus who willingly chose suffering. And when I look at the gospel, at Jesus, at what he's done, I see a God who's always coming closer, who's always going towards, who's finding the place where I'm mean, even like we read this morning. Who's left out? Who's not getting invited? Who is experiencing pain? Who's suffering? Where is there injustice? What, where are there things that are wrong? And then we see a God who's like, that's where I'm going. I'm going to go towards that. And our human tendency, at least mine, <laughs> is to pull away from that often, right? We'd, Oh, that's painful. I don't want to do that. We protect ourselves from pain. We avoid suffering. We do everything we can to insulate and make ourselves safe. I think we get such a s smaller picture of the gospel if we do that. 
if we don't actually go to the places um, where there's pain and suffering. Um, I have spent a lot of time, I'll just read this first, uh, Romans 8, this is 15 through 17. If you've walked with the Lord any amount of time, I'm sure you know Romans 8 very well. <laughs> but, um, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So verses like one, I, I know I've heard so many times, but I feel like since coming into fostering, the, that last line has just grabbed me so much more. I think we hear a lot that we are children, that we're co-heirs, that we've been adopted, and all of that's beautiful. And then we skip over the last line that says, provided we suffer. It's a, it's a weighty one. <laughs> um, but I, I heard this taught one time at a, a foster conference, and the speaker called it voluntary redemptive suffering. And that stuck with me so much. It feels so true yes. to say, like, this is what Jesus did, voluntarily suffered for the benefit of somebody else. Yes. Now, I don't want to say that and paint foster care as, you're just going to suffer. It's horrible. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. It is beautiful and joy-filled. And like I already said, you meet Jesus. So, I mean, how can it not be beautiful? Um, yeah, I think we just look to Jesus, right, as this incarnation yeah. and follow his example. Um, another quote says, I count the cost and then consider them to be worth it in the light of the gain someone else stands to receive. Come on. I, uh, I recently dug back up uh, David Brainerd's story who was like a revolutionary missionary of sorts, you know, and went to the First Nations people. But was what threw me about his story was, it's similar to yours in this way, it wasn't like he had carried this long-standing, like, burden for the First Nations people, had pictures on every wall, you know, long from the time he was six to go. It was just a need. And I think we hold the high view on God's sovereignty and goodness, that he knows what he's doing, and we don't necessarily need to have the seed planted decades ago for it to come in a moment where Jesus just beckons you out on the waters with him to be with him and meet him and then also be with him as he seeks to touch and save and change people's lives. So when I'm thinking just about Nava in our moment that we're in, and again, this just this invitation on the table of like, find your exhale upon whom, where, what, I think, I think it's just worth noting, you pay attention to need, and that's actually really powerful, and really good, and really biblical, and a remarkable part of your story of just like, wow, you're in a random Nava gathering like this 10 years ago, boom, a family, and I remember the situation, it was actually two families that were connected to the church that had a whole thing that kind of blew up, 
in a moment that gave way to a prayer, that gave way to a, a yes, that you didn't know how costly that yes was gonna be, but also how fulfilling that yes was going to be in the moment, but it just kind of came by way of a need. And yeah, for me, I, I don't know, I just kind of have been paying attention that that part has been lost in the, shuffle, in the shuffle a little bit, especially the charismatic shuffle, which is a great dance, by the way, to break out at the wedding, but we'll save that for another time. The charismatic shuffle just holds a little bit too much, if you follow this, friends. Mm -hmm. Obedience is our bread and butter. At the end of the day, that's who we belong to him and we say yes to him. But I was very specific to you when I said I didn't need the Holy Spirit to say to me in the CVS, tell this person that they're wanted. It's a need. It's a moment. And the Holy Spirit is far more enmeshed and integrated in your life than even his voice is at times. Everybody okay with that? Are you okay with that? I just want to liberate and breathe liberty over us to like move towards need and then back away if it's not where you're supposed to be. But you don't actually have to have a word from the Holy Spirit to move towards need. Why am I feeling like I'm in an echo chamber, Jake? Did I do something wrong? Is it, is it just me? Are you guys getting reverb out there? It's okay? Okay. And I got ADD, and that's the problem. I got, no, this is bad. Um, no, I, to jump on the that, bat. Yes. I think I've heard so many people interested in foster care, or maybe it's something else. This obviously is a thing that we've said yes to, and it's not for everyone. Yes. But I think in general, Christians can spend a long time just praying about something. Yeah. I don't want to sound unspiritual and tell you to stop praying. That's not what I'm saying. But you over-inhale. But you do it over too long. Get the, get the. And like David's saying, there's a need. Trust that the Holy Spirit will tell you no yeah. Yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. the wrong thing. There you go. Go toward the thing. Yes. <laughs> Start doing it and trust that you'll get a no if it's not the right thing. Yes, come on. Um, I just want to pause a minute, Jana, and let's just all pause and take a minute, just you and Jesus, and let's just listen for a minute and see if Holy Spirit wants to just freshly remind us of a need or something that's been in us that is, again, a part of where we get to move towards in love and, if you will, with the breath that's in our lungs as a living, wonderful follower of Jesus that gets to pass on what we've been given. So would you, Holy Spirit, just speak to each one of us, and we want to hear from you. We want to be reminded of those places of need that are in our lives that we get to move towards. So we wait on you now. step further and just ask everyone to partner up and to share this is a place of need that I want to move towards or this is a place of need I want to continue to move towards and literally just that simple take a couple minutes twos and threes 
and just share simply that. This is a place of need I want to move towards, or maybe you already are, and this is a place of need I wanna continue to move towards or freshly move towards. And we're gonna keep that just in childlikeness because the kingdom's received like a child, right? This is not you need the PhD to figure out how to do that, the simplicity of what that may mean and look like, okay? All right, go for it. Try to wrap it up if you can. All right. I'm going to share one more thought and verse with you here as we get ready to close up. (laughs) Um, This is another super familiar verse, but I think it ties so well with this kind of heavy call I already gave you to come and suffer. Um, This is Matthew 11, and I'm sure you know this one. Come to me, all who who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I have spent a lot of time in this passage in this last year, and I think something just really interesting that has stuck with me is that word easy is used seven times. This, the word for easy, I won't try to tell you the Greek word because I don't know how to say it. Um, is used seven times in the New Testament, but this is the only place it's translated as easy. The other ones are light, good, and kind. And I, as I've sat with it, I really like the word kind <laughs> here. I, I like to read it that way. For my yoke is kind and my burden is light. And what I've been thinking is that a, a yoke doesn't need to be easy to be kind. Right? There's kind of this heavy place of Come follow me, take up your cross, suffer. Which isn't necessarily easy. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't sound easy to me. But I can see the kindness of the Lord there. I also see here that there isn't a yokeless option. <laughs> We're yoked to something. Um, And our invitation is to yoke ourselves to a kind father who says, let me share this with you. The the yoke is this picture of stabilization, right? And it's usually, it would be on two oxen and they would yoke a younger, inexperienced oxen with a more mature, experienced one so that they could teach them and learn how to carry it and that it wouldn't be too much for just one. Um... So I just see such a beautiful invitation from Jesus here. That he's saying, come, follow me. It's hard. It's not easy. But I'm kind. And I'm good. And I will share this. 
yoke with you so I can teach you how to carry it and walk more stabilized. It's not going to throw you off balance, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that, which is probably a fair characterization of even your all's eight-year journey of the stumblings at times, the heaviness of it at times, but now the adjustments in where you are now, it's different than where you were Sure. Four, six yeah. years ago. One year ago. One year ago. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Well, friend, just yeah. genuinely, thank you for persevering and doing it with love and joy, with all the learning and receiving of what you needed to do it, and for being out ahead and mulling the way. Molly and I just had a conversation with Mark and Jana just to pick their brains on it in potential discovery ourselves of following in their footsteps in this way. Yeah. Um, and thanks for sharing some of your story with us around it. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, I just have two things in closing, and then we're going to pray for one another, because this now, uh, I, my hope is then this moment, you know, leaves with us, and we take a few more risks, and we allow a, a bit more breath come out of our lungs whilst maintaining a deep and unwavering commitment to be a people who inhale in prayer and who a people who equally and wonderfully and increasingly exhale in mission in giving our love and our life away to others, that the very kingdom of God that we believe in, that we have tasted and seen and experienced, would continue to spread and fill Kansas City. So this is one of the two things. I was thinking about the scripture, it's Luke 11, and Jesus says some things that kind of like freak people out. Because he says, if by the finger of God I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So you've got just some crazy stuff going down here, friends. God's finger and demons that are leaving in the kingdom of God that is coming. Here's the simple understanding of that. Our lives are the finger of God. Our lives are the hand of God that are being directed to displace the enemy who, like the CVS lady, just wants her to keep her believing that she's not wanted. That is the demonic foothold, if you will. I'm the finger of God coming to confront the demonic voice that says you're not wanted. And when I say you are wanted by God, the kingdom of God has come upon CVS. And thank God for the cheap wine, baby, because that was also the kingdom of God. No, I can't say that out loud. The Coxes are not here. The Johns, we'll just let that one go. Do you, friends, do you know how fun it is to be the finger of God? Do you know how beautiful and enjoyable that is to be the finger of God, to be a part of that amazing work and activity that happens in CVSs, that happens when a family embraces and takes in a few kids that are without home and family to displace the enemy that wants them to believe they are unwanted, unlovable, not chosen. And even for months, you get to take them in, the kingdom of God has come upon the Sawyer household and upon those kids and it will stay with them. It will stay with them forever. And you know it, and I know it. And man, that's a fun, that's a fun ride. So I wanna pray for us. Thank you there, Christina. Um, I wanna pray, and then um, we'll get in our way. 
What do you say? Go by the bay. I just met, oh, I couldn't help it. Oh, man. Lord, we belong to you. You have our yes. We are uh, sobered by the costly yeses, like Mark and Jana have given, like many in this room have given. And yet, we never regret saying yes to you. And we say yes to you again. Thanks for stirring our hearts afresh through storytelling, through being together, and through your voice, through reminding us of places of need that you want us to move towards. So I bless you, my friends in the room. I bless you to be risk takers, to move out in joy, to move towards need. I bless all of those who have come out of a heavy season of having done that. Rest, it is okay. I'm not throwing a heavy yoke on you. And I bless those that have been waiting for just a little kick in the pants because you know you were made for it, you know you wanna do it, and we bless you and we bless one another today to be wild and outrageously loving ambassadors of the kingdom of God, to go with you, to go because of you, to go in you, to go from you and for you. Jesus, you have our yes. And we bless one another today. Let's stand and pray the Lord's Prayer. I mean, it's just a little weird for you and I just hold hands here. I just don't know if we should do that. You should go over somewhere else. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.